1: Welcome to The True Fiction Project, a podcast series that explores the origins of fiction. Every week we begin with an interview, nonfiction, followed by a creative piece, fiction, inspired by something from the interview. The idea is to demonstrate, of course, that fiction is born out of our life experiences. Now here's your host, storyteller, author, public speaker, health and wellness expert, Renita Hora.
2: Welcome to this week's episode of the True Fiction Project. I'm your host, Renita Hora. And in this episode, we'll be counting down the top three fan favorite interviews and true fiction pieces from season two. To kick us off, let's begin with the third fan favorite episode Rose Journey of Love, featuring Julia Carroll. Julia is a fellow podcast host and creator of Storked, the podcast where she highlights the unique ways in which people come together and find family. I was particularly inspired by Julia's beautiful story about her personal heartbreak, healing, love and her decision to become a single mom in her 40s. And the amazing way in which all of this came about with particular emphasis on an experience she had with a shaman. Inspired by this, Priya Sharma Sheikh put together a wonderful short story called Rose Journey of Love. We'll listen to that right after this interview clip. So coming back to your magic,
0: did you
3: take
2: your eggs out of the freezer and did the magic happen that way?
3: Oh my God, I got so lucky. So after all the like spiritual exploration and all that stuff, I was going down a life renovation, a physical renovation of my home, and then a spiritual journey. One culminating experience I had was that I went on a trip to Peru and went to the the mountains of Peru with a special group of individuals that support these very remote indigenous populations with a lot of support services um, to maintain and retain their culture. And while there, while in the mountains, I got to go through some healing with a shaman who had been struck by lightning. So in this particular culture, getting struck by lightning is considered to be very good luck and an indication that this person is blessed, magically blessed. Mm. And this particular gentleman, who's an, an elder gentleman, was struck by lightning not once, but twice. So I got to do this healing. And I asked him, you know, open my heart to find love and then open my womb to find a family. And I came back down from the mountains and literally like the first day that I'm back in Boston and I'm readjusting from this wonderful, incredibly expansive trip to the real world. I said, okay, I'm going to open my app and I'm going to force myself to go on a couple more dates before ultimately choosing to become a single mom by choice. The screen lit up. Ro, a bright green-colored soul in the realm,
4: did a few quick twirls. Zip, zip, zip. He was excited. Macy's spark was on the screen again. Her blonde hair framed her beautiful long face. Her deep blue eyes blinked at her reflection in the mirror before she stepped out of her home. Boston was aglow with sunshine. Macy looked up at the clear sky and hailed a taxi. Ro continued to watch her on the screen and turned to look around for his best friend in the realm, Ra. I spy with my soul eyes my best buddy, Ra. There you are. You know you can't hide from me in the realm, said Ro, taking Ra into a dizzy twirl. (laughs) Whoa, slow down, Ro. What is it? Drawled Ra, a yellow-colored soul. Update on Macy Spark. She's seeing her gynecologist today. Man, it's finally going to happen. Said Ro, and did another set of twirls. Zip, zip, zip. That's exciting! Ha 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 ha. Said Ra, looking bored stiff. Choose her already, and let me get my sleep before my onward soul-body journey. Ro twirled Ra again and giggled. No, you don't. Do you know what I like about her, Ra? Pursued Ro. She is close to the one in her beingness and she is adorable, intelligent and kind, said Ra in a robot-like tone. Yes, you know me so well. That's why you're my realm bestie. And that you've told me all about Macy over a hundred times, I have. Ah, but Ra, look at her. The twinkle is missing from her eyes, but at least the tears have lessened. That last relationship really broke her heart. Ah, I can't believe anyone can see her hurting and be okay with that. I really want to see her smile again and bring back that twinkle in her eyes. In a conversation with her coach, she became aware that having a child will bring her true joy. And that child, my friend, is going to be moi. Yes, truly. The one who will bring back her smile. Let's do this, Macy. I have chosen you to be my ma Gushed Ro. Dro, I am tired of your endless Macy charade. Actually, I'm tired of you. Don't follow me blurted Ra and floated out of the twirling rose sight. Some time had passed when Dro tracked Ra down again. As expected, Ra was in deep slumber. She's frozen her eggs, Ra, said Ro and plunked onto Ra. Ra saw that Ro looked forlorn and said, What do you mean? She's chosen not to have a baby now. She says science and the magical powers of God can make her have a baby later when she finds her Mr. Right. I celebrated too soon, Ra. It's going to be a while before she's a mother. I hope it's not too late, said Ro. Stop being so dramatic. Just choose a different mom, said Ra, and pushed Ro into a reluctant, slow twirl. But it won't be Macy, and I'm running out of time. My colour has changed to orange. It's not long before I'll turn red and be forced to choose another soul body, said Ro, slouched against Ra. A few weeks had passed when Ro floated excitedly towards a very red Ra. She's just returned from a remote village in the mountains in Peru. She'd got there to follow through on her healing process. (laughs) I'm not listening anymore. Ro persisted and said, Yes, you are. She met a senior shaman there who people believe is magically blessed after being struck by lightning twice. His conversations helped her heal. Ra yawned and tried to make an inconspicuous exit. However, story storytelling and attempts to keep Ra engaged were relentless. ''You don't want to miss this part, buddy,'' said the animated Roe. Before leaving Peru, Macy looked up at the sky and called out aloud with tears in her eyes, ''Help me! I have opened my heart to find love and opened my womb to have a child.'' She is ready to have me. She's been dating again. She met met this incredible guy in California, and they're in a long-distance relationship. And here's the best part. He's supportive of her decision to have a child on her own. That's special indeed. She will finally get what she wants, said Rock. Ro took Ra into a slow, graceful twirl. Zzzzzzip. Some more time passed and this time Ra sought out Ro. Hey Ro, I have news for a change. My soul body journey is going to begin soon. In a humble home, in a place called Andheri in Mumbai, India looks like it's going to be a Punjabi girl pressing the button said ra now very deep red in color which indicated readiness to unite with a new soul body i'm really gonna miss you ra said ro who had also turned red i have news too macy finally made her decision to be a single mom and she's chosen to go with one of the iuis that has a six percent likelihood of working out she is not letting off her momentum on the family building now that her mind is made up and i'm like you go girl that is great news Ro. i'm sure macy will have her baby soon i just hope it is you who are the one that can gurgle your love to her and make her smile said ra and then on seeing Ro's anxiety added i say so because you know we are both deep red now, and we will probably start blinking and zap out of here to be with our respective soul bodies soon, said Ra. Yes, I know. I'm anxious for what lies ahead. Ro, before we go, I have something to say. You know, I've always chosen my soul body blindly. Because as souls, we love the bodies we belong to nevertheless. That is our beingness because we are a part of the one. So I've never cared about who I'm taking a ride with because my why is very clear that I am there to love and partner my soul body, whatever their journey be. Thanks, Ra. I needed that. I admire your patience for Macy and I wish she happens for you. But wherever you end up being, my friend, I know you will have a great ride as that is your true beingness. May the power of the one always be, said Ra, and took Ro into a synchronized twirl. Zip, 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 zip. Just then, Ro started blinking. Looks like my button is hit, Ra, said Ro after several twirls. it's Macy. I'm going to my chosen ma. I will bring back that twinkle in her eyes, and I'll meet you right back here with all my stories. Beamed row and in a zap, disappeared from the realm. Ra laughed out aloud, did a gentle twirl, zip. Blinked, and in a zap, disappeared from the realm too.
2: Continuing our countdown, our second fan-favorite episode is The Price of Magic featuring Barbara Majeski. She's a lifestyle expert and curator of The Good Life, where she helps others live life with purpose, style, and adventure. Barbara talked with me about her childhood, her divorce, her fight with colon cancer, and how she has come to be the person that she is today. All of this inspired a fictional story by Gary Krifstoff about a girl who meets a fairy who can help her sick mother. We'll listen to that right after this interview clip. So fast forward multiple years in 2015, you are faced with a divorce, you've got three kids, and then you are diagnosed with stage three cancer. And is it this idea of Stephen and the purpose that he gave you in life that sort of willed you to continue on to wade through all of that mess?
5: I had three kids that I wasn't about ready to leave, you know, and I had a life that I still had left so much on the table because I do remember reflecting on all the things that I was proud of, but also the things that I'd never even bothered to embark on. Like, you know, I always wanted to be in television and I had such negative self-talk and I, carried the weight mm-hmm. of other people's opinions. And I had fear and self-doubt that even though I really pined to be on TV and I wanted to be on the Today Show, I never had the courage to take even one little step towards that. And in that reflection, because when you're confronted with your own mortality, it is a blessing and a curse. And it can be you know more of a blessing if you take into account what you can do with your life when you don't take it for granted, when you realize we all have a limited amount of time here on this earth. And when you are confronted with that understanding, you kind of make little secret vows yourself and and you recognize all the things that you waste energy mm-hmm. and precious time on. Mm-hmm. I wasted time on caring what other people thought. I put so much weight on on what other people would say and think about me. And it's so much, it was all negative self-talk and I, just thinking about all the things I didn't do. Great, I took stock of the things that I I would be remembered, but I was like, well, I never even tried. And in that same space, I was like, you know what? If I get another shot, I'll never play small Mm -hmm. again. I'll always, I'd rather be in the arena. I'd rather be the man in the arena and try and fail than fail to ever try.
1: Rise of Magic Claire was absent-mindedly watching the dust particles swirling playfully in a ray of light coming through the window. The new house was much bigger than their city apartment, yet the added space was only making her feel smaller and lonelier. The countryside, however, had its charm. Claire had never seen so much grass in one place. The house was surrounded by a meadow. The lush sea of green was interrupted only by the edge of the woods on the horizon. Claire didn't care about it much, being accustomed to the dirty streets of the city. However, she didn't care where she lived as long as her mother could recover faster, and according to the doctors, the fresh air of the countryside was just what she needed. Claire sighed and looked away from the window as she heard her brother, Charlie, running up the stairs. Despite being twins, Claire was often playing the role of a big sister. Charlie rushed straight into her room, jumping and landing on her bed. Isn't this place amazing? he asked. He didn't wait for a reply. He was at the window in one bouncy motion. I wonder what kind of animals live in the forest. Let's go check it out. We need to unpack first, Claire replied unenthusiastically. And besides, what if there are bears out there? Bears? There was not an inkling of fear in Charlie's eyes. He only became more enthusiastic. They did not go to the forest that day. Instead, the children spent the rest of the day unpacking, cleaning and taking care of their mother. When the night finally descended, all Claire could do was crawl into bed and close her eyes. She began to doze off. But she sat up abruptly as she realized that the room was flooded with bright, warm light. A softly glowing figure of a beautiful young woman was sitting on the side of her bed. As her eyes adjusted, Claire realized that, although the woman had the proportions of an adult, she was only half as tall as Claire herself. Hello, Claire, greeted the stranger in a friendly, soothing tone. She smiled lovingly, melting Claire's shock away. Hello, uh, who are you? How do you know my name? Claire asked, rubbing her eyes. I know all about you, dear Claire," the woman said, as well as your brother and your poor mother. She looked down with profound sadness, as though Claire's sick mother was a close friend. My name is Siofra. I live in the forest. With a gracious gesture, she pointed at the pitch blackness beyond the window. Claire was sitting on her bed, blinking rapidly, not knowing what to say. Siofra was smiling at her softly and patiently. Pardon me for asking, Claire finally said, but are you a... a fairy? Both Claire and Siafra turned to the sound of Charlie's voice. He was standing in the doorway, wearing his pajamas. His wide, unblinking eyes were glued to Siafra. She smiled at him and put her exquisite finger on her lips. Hush. Yes, little one. I am a real fairy. But please, your mother needs rest. Let's not wake her up. In fact, I'm here to help her. Help our mother? How? Claire asked. Come with me to the woods. Queen Radia is eager to meet you. She can use fey magic to help your dear mother recover, Sioffra replied. Something in her tone made Claire's doubts dissolve before she could verbalize them. She was further distracted as she noticed a roll of lights outside the window. They were shimmering and floating playfully, just like the dust particles from earlier. They formed a path leading into the forest. Shortly, Claire found herself following Siofra down the stairs, into the meadow and towards the woods. Charlie was following closely behind. The lights turned out to be other folk. Softly glowing, beautiful beings, they were greeting the siblings as they walked towards the trees. Some were introducing themselves, trying to talk to them. Some were shyly hiding behind the trees. They dispersed suddenly as one of them, taller than others, with wings and a crown of oak leaves descended from a tree branch in front of the siblings. Claire, Charlie, she said, my name is Radia. I am the mother and ruler of the Fey Folk in this forest. I've been waiting for you. You don't know just how valuable you are to us and how much we love you. The rest of the Fey Folk formed a circle around Radia, Claire, and Charlie, bowing their heads respectfully. It's an honor to meet you, um, your majesty, Claire said, but I'm not sure how we can be of any help to you. We are just human children. However, if you really can help our mom, I will do anything you ask. I can cook and clean and... Radia stopped her with a wave of her hand. Sweet child, she said. We have no need for your labor. All we ask for is that your brother, dear Charlie, would stay in the woods with us as an honored guest. Although you don't know it, humans are born imbued with magic. You have long lost the knowledge of it. But us, Folk, we can tap into it. Rest assured, child, no harm will come to your brother. He will want for nothing. We will care for him and protect him. And the magic within him will be more than enough to cure your mother, as well as keep us alive and happy for decades to come. Claire's heart began to beat faster. Her brother was oblivious to the conversation, quietly playing with a group of fey children. The spell of Radia's soothing voice was shattered as Claire realized what she was asking for. She was not going to trade her brother for fey magic. She grabbed Charlie's hand and began to run. The forest was illuminated by the fey folk following them, crying, and begging them to come back. Claire, please! You didn't even give us a chance! We mean you no harm! It was Siofra. She caught up to the children and was running nimbly beside them. I'm sorry, Siofra, Claire replied. Perhaps we, humans, have long forgotten how to use magic, but we care for each other and work hard to achieve our goals, and that is how we will help our mother recover. Claire heard no reply. She turned back to see Siofra and Radia, joined by other fairies, As they stopped chasing the children, looking at them with pensive sadness in their eyes. Claire opened her eyes. It was morning. She immediately remembered last night's events, wondering if it was all a dream. However, she was distracted by the familiar smell of pancakes. Wait, she said to herself, but that would mean She ran down the stairs and saw Charlie already sitting at the kitchen table. Claire, good morning, my dear. Claire's mother greeted her as she entered the kitchen. The doctors were completely right, she said, as she placed three plates of pancakes on the table. I already feel much better. The fresh countryside air really works wonders.
2: And the moment you've been waiting for our number one fan favorite episode is cut from the same cloth featuring Krista Bilton. She's an author. And in her episode, we discussed her memoir called normal family on truth, love and how I met my 35 siblings. Krista talked with me about her non-traditional upbringing and how her father was one of the most prolific sperm donors of the California cryobank in the 80s. Particularly interesting were Krista's notes on her family reunions and how they seem to increase each year with a new number of siblings that she happens to discover. All of that inspired a short story based on Krista's life from Michael Kobzik, and so we'll listen to that right after this interview clip. You're in your mid-twenties at this point, and you're dating your brother
0: accidentally. That's please, right. Please tell us about that. I mean, it's a long story that I won't get into about how my mother discovered that fact, but I will tell you that the psychological ramifications of being told that you're possibly sleeping with your biological half-sibling is really... A trip. <laughs> oh. uh, and, you know, there was a whole complication about me not wanting to then be the bearer of this news to him, who thought he was his father's son, and also just looking at the person and not wanting to tell them the secret, but also wondering, are they your brother? And, you know, staring at their physical features and trying to discern if it could be true. I mean, it's it's surreal, to say the least, and also disturbing.
2: It has to be disturbing. I mean, full well will try to understand that not not having been in the position myself not as far as i know at least Uh, your father began to donate sperm to the california cryobank but does that imply that all of his children his biological children that came out of that exercise a series of exercises were then locally concentrated in one geography i mean Obviously, no, that's
0: that's the wild part. We have siblings all over the country. We we have yet to have an international sibling. But at that time, the California Cryobank was the only sperm bank that was direct shipping sperm to people's houses. His sperm went all over. It's, it's completely random that it would be someone that was a few mm-hmm. blocks from my house. <laughs> but it's also, I think it brings up an interesting point about the fact that sperm banks are completely unregulated. So The fact that my father could donate as often as he did with no real consideration to how many children there would ultimately be, you know, that's a really interesting perspective. It's still completely unregulated today. It's just like the Wild West back in the 80s and 90s.
6: My name is Clara Johnson, and I'm in a relationship with a man I love. On a balmy evening in New York City, I waited with my boyfriend, Anthony McFadden. We were going to meet my parents at Don Flamingo, a four-star Mediterranean restaurant. Have you ever been to this restaurant? I asked Anthony. No, Anthony said. I just read they have a good steak. (laughs) You know I'm a vegan, I said with a frown. So am I, Anthony said with a smile. Just one of the many things we have in common. As we waited, we flicked through our Instagram feeds Not quite together, yet not quite separately. My feed was full of women in summer colors, in exotic locations I wished I could be. Yet here I was, in the middle of my sophomore year, at the Fashion Institute. Black is back in style, I see, said Anthony, peeking his head over. For girls, sure, I said. For guys, it's red and orange. I hate both colors, Anthony sighed. For me, it's always mauve and maroon. He turned to face me and kissed me on the lips. Just then, my parents arrived. We settled in at our table in the middle of the restaurant, surrounded by people in clothes that were totally inappropriate for the venue. I wrinkled my nose at a man dressed in a polo and sneakers at a nearby table. What's wrong? asked Dad. Oh, nothing, just being judgmental, I said with a snort. The guy over there, Anthony pointed, is wearing a necktie t-shirt. The two of us laughed together. Mom and Dad glanced at each other but didn't laugh. Your father has said exactly that, in exactly those words, so many times, Mom remarked. You two seem well coordinated. Of course, I said with a smile. I came up with it. We all like the same colors, Anthony said. Mauve, maroon, you name it. Wisteria was the color of Clara's bedroom, Mom said. That's a color only a painter would know, Anthony responded. She happens to be one, Dad interjected, classically trained. Anthony rolled his eyes. Nobody in my family knows anything about painting, he said. Only cows, sheep, and good leather boots. Wyoming, huh? Dad said, rubbing his chin. That's quite far from New York. I noticed that Dad had become shifty-eyed, avoiding my eyes and staring at Anthony's. I pretended not to notice and just focus on the food, but it became too hard to ignore. Anthony chewed on his kale, meeting Dad's stare at least once. Is something wrong, sir? he asked. No, Dad said. Yes, you seem familiar. I winced at Dad before looking back at Anthony. It feels like we're kindred spirits, I said with a smile, trying to restore the mood of the table, like we could have been friends growing up. But we found each other now, and that's what's important. And what's really important is this, Anthony said, bringing out his cell phone. He showed the table a classy-looking logo with loopy typography. Andy and Clara, he said, it's our new business venture, Guys and Girls Formal Wear. Classy, but with a modern twist, you know? Mom rolled her eyes as Dad remained silent. It's something I've wanted to do for a while, Clara said, and now... I found the perfect person to do it with. If I may ask, Dad interjected. Are you an only child, Anthony? Yeah, Anthony said, holding his breath. Why? You have the same eye color as my Clara. You said you were from Wyoming? Would it happen to be Ball?" Anthony's eyes widened. Yeah, yeah, I'm from there. The one with the little laundromat on the corner? The one that looks like it's from the 70s? Anthony didn't respond. The silence hung in the air for a moment. I gulped, not sure what to say. (laughs) Yeah, Anthony laughed. Ball is real old fashioned. Ain't that the laundromat with the sperm bank next door? Dad asked. I stared at my father with Anthony. Look, Anthony said, ball is a nice place, but I'm glad to be here with Clara. He leaned over to kiss me. Just then, Dad smashed his plate on the table. No, he shouted. (laughs) What are you doing? I said, laughing nervously. Don't be so old school, Dad. PDA is fine. You don't understand, Dad said, shaking his head. More awkward silence. This dinner was getting less appetizing by the second. I was annoyed now. What the heck is happening, Dad? I used to live in ball a few months after I met your mother, Dad said, folding his hands. Things weren't as easy for me back then, working at the little insurance company there. I really needed the rent, and I was saving up for our wedding. So I made a donation to that local bank. What? I shouted. What? Anthony echoed. I got up from the table, staring at my parents and Anthony. Mom's lip trembled as she stared at Anthony. You are not saying what I think you're saying, Mom said, her forehead crumpled into the biggest frown I had ever seen. Dad just shrugged. Wait, are you saying Anthony's my brother? I gasped. I'm saying he might be, Dad replied, his voice shrinking. Ew! I screamed. Anthony sat frozen in shock. I thought you only did that once, Mom said, suddenly incensed. Yes, once a month, for three months, to save up for our wedding. So you made it a habit? Nancy! Mom tossed her glass of water into Dad's face. Sopping wet, my father got up and stared into Anthony's eyes. Don't you lie another hand on my daughter, he said with a grave voice. Uh, Yeah, whatever, Dad, Anthony replied, confused. I didn't remember much of the next couple of minutes. I remember wine on my dress, glass shattering, and lots of shouting and finger pointing. Soon, I found myself outside of the restaurant, sitting on the steps. Clara, Anthony said, sitting down with me. Go away, I said, burying my face in my hands. I knew it was too good to be true, I sobbed. This makes me feel so awful. I admit I didn't expect it either, Anthony sighed. But come on, this isn't the Clara I know. We can make the best out of this. We can't keep dating. That's weird. Not what I meant, Anthony said, nervously chuckling. I meant we can still work together, even if your parents think it's weird. I looked up at Anthony and straightened to his eyes. I saw months of courtship, laughter, and time spent together with him. He extended his hand to me. Instead of lovers, why not stay partners? Let's make the most of it. I sniffled, wiping my tears from my face. As long as we keep it vegan, I said. Deal? Anthony smiled at me. Deal, he said. My name is Clara Johnson, and I'm still in a relationship with a man I love.
2: Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this look back at the True Fiction Project podcast top three fan-favorite episodes from Season 2. We've got a whole host of fascinating new stories coming up in Season 3, so stay tuned. I'm your host, Renita Hora. Here at The True Fiction Project, we are always looking for great stories that make for compelling fiction. So if you have a great story or know somebody who does, or if you are a writer who would like to contribute, then please do get in touch with us at renita.com forward slash contact.
1: Thank you for listening to The True Fiction Project with Renita Hora. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter to receive more inspiring stories showing how fiction is born from our everyday experiences. For more information, visit www.truefictionproject.com.